0: That's U-N-I-F-Y-D slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including E.E. system.
1: Today on Not Sam Wrestling, Cody Rhodes. Need I say more? This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is not
0: Sam Wrestling, not Sam
2: Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts.
1: Oh, man. Special edition of Not Sam Wrestling. Coming at you today. Drop it on the YouTube channel at the same time or within a few hours of the audio coming out. YouTube.com/slash/notsamwrestling. It's uh, it's been a long time coming, but Cody Rhodes is on the show today. Now, just as a matter of of good housekeeping, uh, I will tell you that I I I think I think this is my intention. All I can do is talk to you guys about my intentions. I have the best of them. I promise you. Of course, before I go any further, don't forget, if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, get your tickets to Not Sam Wrestling live at the Detroit House of Comedy. Summer Slam Saturday, August 5th. We are going to be at the Detroit House of Comedy at 5 p.m. Now, you're probably going, whoa, but I'm trying to go to SummerSlam too. Yet, no problem. The Detroit House of Comedy is only a block away from Ford Field. So you come, you come to the show, you have a great time. We get you out of there. You walk a block, you go to SummerSlam. It is going to be great. You can get your tickets to the greatest podcast tailgate that's ever existed at NotSamLive.com. You go to NotSamLive.com to get your tickets to Not Sam Wrestling Live, August 5th, SummerSlam Saturday. I want you all to be there. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's been a very busy week, and... uh you know, the way Not Sam Wrestling as a show has evolved, I feel like the show at its, I don't want to say at its best, but at its core is the sort of monologue, me giving my take, me answering the emails, that, having that every single week to me is a lot of fun and something that I want the show to be. And I would I would have to imagine that for those of you that Listen every week. That's the that's that's what you want. At the same time, I love doing interviews still, and I I would have to imagine that everybody that enjoys hearing my take on things would probably just as much, if not more so, love to hear from some of the biggest names in the world of sports entertainment. So my plan right now is that uh, I will drop. Another episode this week. Probably tomorrow. My plan would be to drop another episode. So what is this? 4.57-ish? 4.57? 4.58? It'll say on the title of the episode. 4.57B will be released tomorrow. And that'll kind of be where I talk about everything that's going on. The Bloodline segment on SmackDown. Everything that happened on Raw. Dynamite Collision. The whole thing. Everything we do every single week. So that's still coming Uh, In my brain, hopefully, you know, 24 hours from the time that you see this on your feed, you'll see that on your feed. But it's been uh, an extremely busy last week, uh, doing a lot of of juggling in the best possible way. It's it's the coolest thing in the world to be made busy by the opportunities that I find myself getting. Um, Of course, Comic-Con was this week. I got to go down to San Diego to be a part of Mattel's presence at Comic Con. Uh, on Thursday, you know, the floor opens and myself, Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, we went live from the floor for the first time. We always do a video from Comic Con, but usually we like, we tape it and then a few days after Comic Con comes out. Well, this time it was like, hey, if we're giving the news on what Mattel is giving us in terms of WWE action figures, why don't we get this video out as soon as possible? We have access to the booth like nobody does, so can we get it done live? And, it, and we could. And so it aired live on YouTube first thing Thursday morning. So if you haven't seen that and want to see what Mattel had on display in terms of WWE product, a lot of amazing stuff, the exclusive Muhammad Ali figure set... Two figures, WrestleMania one referee and boxing Muhammad Ali, which both of them are amazing. It's so cool having boxing Muhammad Ali in your ultimate collection because that's one of those matches, right? Like we never got that uh, a boxer versus wrestler Muhammad Ali situation in a WWE ring per se. So the idea that you can put him in there against, you know, Piper, you could do Andre, right? Get Ultimate Andre versus Ultimate Ali. It's just cool. And then the the referee, of course, um, which is showcasing him from WrestleMania 1. So, like, in terms of your figure displays you can do, you've now got in Ultimate Edition form. You've got all the the parts of that WrestleMania main event in either Ultimate or Elite form from Mattel. But in uh, WWE Ultimate form, you've got Hogan from WrestleMania 1. Mr. T from WrestleMania 1. Now you've got Ali from WrestleMania 1. Piper's coming out in Coliseum Collection later this year. So really, and you've got Orndorff, and you've got Snuka, and you've got Orton in elite form. And I w- wouldn't be surprised if at some point any and all of those names come out in ultimate form. So that's amazing. But all they had all these new Hogans, new Hollywood Hogan, new uh uh Hogan from the night that he first won the title they also had the Iron Sheik from the night that that he lost the title to Hogan it's just spanning through all of these eras they announced the Mick Foley Faces of Foley 3 pack just uh, Peter they're doing a box set with The Rock, Peter Maivia, and Rocky Johnson except the Rock is wearing like his like $500 Hawaiian shirt and he's got his loafers with no socks and his khaki shorts on he's got a watch and a, I mean it's just the stuff that they're doing from every era imaginable is so cool, and it really does explain why WWE is so high on making sure they have their hands on all this IP because it never goes out of style. It's 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 incredible to see. So me, Johnny, and Candace did that video from the floor of Comic-Con and then went upstairs where Johnny and I hosted Mattel's WWE Comic-Con panel Steve and Bill from Mattel were on that panel along with, uh, Mick Foley, Seth freaking Rollins, who's getting the dusty gear Mattel figure. And then, uh, from Hell in a Cell, and they've already done the Cody with the injured pecs. So you've got that whole match now. Uh, but it was Mick Foley. It was Seth Rollins. Uh, John Cohn and Nicholas came out and they, Mattel announced they're making a Nicholas figure. Remember Braun Strowman's partner, Nicholas, Nicholas is getting a figure Uh, uh, And, of course, uh, Chelsea Green making the surprise appearance uh, on the panel. Chelsea Green showed up. One half of the new women's tag team champions, which we'll get into. Uh, But Comic-Con was uh, unbelievable, as it always was. But right before Comic-Con, I was in Atlanta. I went from home in New York to Atlanta to San Diego. I had to make a stop in Atlanta because this announcement comes out on Monday that Cody Rhodes is getting his own documentary on Peacock American nightmare becoming Cody Rhodes. Now, uh, I have done what to me in terms of interviews that I've done are some pretty important to me interviews with Cody Rhodes in the past. Um, the first interview I ever did with Cody Rhodes, I think was during the Mustachioed era at like a uh uh like maybe a SummerSlam media morning. I feel like if I remember right, it was in a bowling alley at LA Live. It was SummerSlam weekend. And you know, you're just going through interviewing everybody and I'm sure the video is still on probably the Not Sam YouTube channel, but I I had this interview with Cody Rhodes and for whatever reason, I feel like we connected. I feel like he enjoyed the interview. I know I enjoyed the interview. And I don't know, a, a camaraderie started to build to the point that when he started doing media, when he became Stardust, I think I interviewed Stardust twice. I definitely interviewed Stardust twice because once was with Linnendoll at a WrestleMania. But before that, it was might've been a year later at SummerSlam, it was early into Stardust. And we did an entire interview. So Cody would wake up, right? And he'd get on a bus from the Talent Hotel at 6 o'clock in the morning. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, legit 6 o'clock, Cody is in full gear, full Stardust makeup. I remember before one media morning, I was staying in the same hotel. And I saw him getting ready to go with a hoodie up, but his full makeup was on. I mean, the fact that he didn't like being stardust, but put this much effort into it tells you everything you kind of need to know about Cody Rhodes. Um, but I remember the first time I interviewed him, it was fun. He stayed in character the entire time, but we had to do it twice because uh, my wife it was videoing for me at the time. She was the staff. And, uh, and I say that obviously tongue in cheek. And she hands the camera back to me and it's recording. And I go, oh, you didn't turn the record button off. She goes, yes, I did. And I go, no, it's still on. And she goes, what? And I go, the record button's still on. You didn't turn it off. It's no big deal. I just, I edit it. So it's not, and she goes, no, that's off. It's red. And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, well, I know it was on when, when the interview was happening because it was green. And I go, no, no, green, is not recording. Red is recording. She goes, No, the timer was going. See the timer up here. I go, That's the battery meter. You're just running the battery, not recording. She goes, Oh, no. I go, I mean, you know, you're not, a, I didn't teach you how to use the camera, obviously. This is my fault, not yours. You should, the fact that you're here for me says more about you, you know, so. I go, look, man, we didn't get that to the publicist, Joe Villa. And he goes, oh, boy. So I go over to Stardust at that point with Joe, and I go, hey, man, can we do that again? And Cody as Stardust comes back to the table, and he does another full interview as Stardust, right there, as it, and it's just, like, unbelievable. So we do a couple of interviews with Stardust. Then Cody leaves the WWE, and... We did another couple interviews, one pretty quick after he left, and then a second one after he had left Impact, probably right before the launch of AEW. And they were both done in Rawway, New Jersey, at the Rawway Rec Center, before WrestlePro shows. And we had uh, a live audience for both of those, that uh, Pat Buck and Kevin Matthews and those guys that put those shows on had offered as, like, a you could also come see Sam interview Cody. I was like, yeah, this is, this is great for everybody. And those interviews to me are like really, there's actually a, a clip of one of them in the Cody documentary in the, in the Peacock doc. Um, But those interviews to me are like really when you, for me in terms of the interviews that I've done, where you get to know Cody, where the story kind of comes out. His perspective is so clear. It's just, I really, I really love both of those conversations. And, and I've always really appreciated how, how giving not only with his time, but with his perspective and with his information, Cody was in both of those interviews. And they were really remarkable conversations and all credit for that goes to Cody Rhodes. Um, Now I hadn't spoken publicly to Cody since he was in AEW. It had just never come up. So when he left AEW, when it was announced that he was coming back, I was, all immediately, like, from the time he was, when it was just rumored that he was coming back, when it wasn't officially announced, kind of seeds were already being planted for, okay, when's the next sit-down? It's time to do the next sit-down. Um, And it never came about, right? Because I didn't specifically think that based on the conversations that we had had that doing a zoom interview would, would do it justice doing 10 minutes would do it justice. You know, there just wasn't that moment to like really sit down and have a, a a conversation of note until I find out this documentary is coming out. And I reach out to WWE and I go, Hey, uh, I know this Cody doc is coming out. This is before it was announced. And I go, I feel like th- this would be the perfect opportunity, you know, in promotion for The Doc to to have a sit down with Cody and blah blah blah. And a week or two ago they go, uh okay, we're going to do a premiere for The Doc in Atlanta. Do you want to come out for it? I was like, yeah, that's definitely the time to do it. So, uh I got to not only go out to Atlanta and, and see the documentary. But I got to catch up with some great people. I mean, Cody had basically everyone from his circle there. So, like, you know, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green were there, DDP was there, uh, uh, a whole bunch of on screen and off screen people, a lot of wrestling media people. It was a really fun night catching up with people. Dave LaGreca, of course, from Busted Open. Uh, Denise Salcedo, Sean Ross Sapp, you know, it was great. It was so much fun. Chris Van Vliet, how could I not mention CVV? Such a good time. Uh, I was lucky enough to be asked to host the uh, a Q&A with Cody after the doc aired. So like, it was at a movie theater. And so we got to watch this doc on the big screen and then do a Q&A uh, it was, I don't know, probably 10 minutes, maybe less, that I got to uh, host with Cody, which was the most fun ever. But I also, before the screening, got to sit down in a room and finally uh, have another substantive conversation on the record with Cody Rhodes and and kind of just catch up with everything he's been doing for the last few years since we last spoke. Um, and to me, I... Absolutely love this interview. I also absolutely love the documentary. It comes out July 31st on Peacock. Um, And it's not, it basically, they started shooting with Cody Rhodes immediately. They started shooting basically everything that he did when he got back to WWE. But it's not just the story of the last year. It goes from, I mean, Cody growing up and getting into wrestling all the way to WrestleMania 39, right? So act one of this thing is kind of Cody growing up, getting into wrestling, and his initial run with WWE, and it shows it warts and all, stuff that worked, stuff that didn't work. They get through it. They get through Stardust, of course, the death of Dusty and, and how impactful it all was. The second part of the doc, they go way more into not only what Cody was doing on the indies, but All In specifically and how important All In was. And AEW and the launching of AEW. They use a ton of footage of being the elite and the young bucks in the documentary. And it's it's stuff that I've never seen in a WWE documentary before. And then the third part, is, and it's not into three parts. It's just, you know, it's, it's one two-hour doc. And then that third part is his first year back in WWE from from making the decision to come over, the surprise debut, quote-unquote surprise debut, at WrestleMania 38, uh, the torn peck, the comeback, Royal Rumble, build to WrestleMania, and then losing WrestleMania. I mean, I feel like anybody that's not already on the Cody bandwagon... Uh, is going to get on the Cody bandwagon after this thing airs on Peacock. Uh, I feel like it does such a good job at showcasing how very real this whole story is with Cody Rhodes. Um, And so now that you've got a little bit of background on how this whole thing came about, I am beyond thrilled to... uh, Share this with you guys. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, uh, it's my first conversation since returning to WWE with Cody Rhodes.
0: The Not Sam Wrestling interview.
1: Cody Rhodes, somebody that I've, I've spoken to when you had a mustache. I've spoken to when you had a giant star painted on your face. I've spoken to when you had left the WWE and you were paving your own path. I've spoken to you once you had paved that path. And now we're here as you're not only telling that story, but the chapter that I think nobody predicted would be coming as quickly as it came, which is you coming back to WWE in the in the highest spot imaginable for you. Why is now the time to tell your story?
2: That's a really, you asked a really big question right yeah. out of the, why is now the time? Yeah, yeah. I, you know what, uh, when you were saying everything about we did this interview and we did that interview, I forget how um, significant the post-WWE interview was. Yeah, And a big lesson for me in that was you can't just say, you have to be a little more careful with what, at the time, man, I was just, just flying off the handle and what I was saying is what I believed and what was true and things of that nature but it just had a big I remember at that time when it came out I realized like that there's a movement happening the independent movement movement is happening without me but I I am part of said movement but there's a movement happening ever since I put that list out about following what I'm doing just because they cling so much to the, the words that you and I had and I thought that was a top notch top notch interview which will be very hard to top here but kick back to your question as far as why is um, now the time I think likely the reason now is the best time is WWE's audience the WWE universe pro wrestling fans all all these fandoms sometimes the pockets are different, the circles are different. There's not as much crossover as we think, like you're a longtime fan, you can tell me about the mega powers and you can tell me about a bash at the beach and you can walk me through that. There's a lot of fans who come to these shows today. There's actually a lot of people in the locker room who are on these shows today who might not know about any of that. And um, that's why I think now is the perfect time for the, from the perspective of WWE because it really does inform Everybody as to what all took place. They think they might know the journey. Oh, he came back in Dallas, and Corey Graves said from undesirable to undeniable, and all of the Prodigal Son, all that awesome stuff that Graves put on it—the the soundtrack essentially to the return. But what I love about the documentary is the—it's the, the full story. We remember we're talking about finishing the story, which I now hate saying it. It's a meme, but if you want to know the story we're talking about, it's in this documentary. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I also think that it, it, it drives home how real this whole thing is. And I think that that's why people have, have connected to it. And you talk about connection and how that's kind of where you value professional wrestling to an extent. That's what makes you in your mind, the best is your ability to connect with an audience. Was it tough for you right before you got to WWE, It felt like you were starting to lose that connection with the audience in the promotion that that you helped create. Why do you think when you got to WWE that connection came right back? Because, I mean, we were talking about this before you got here, but one of the things that I think makes this era so special and you being at the top of it in the position that you're in is that I don't remember the last time good guys got cheered.
2: Oh, well, I mean, hats off to all the good guys who are out there because for a, for a hot minute they were endangered species. I mean, all from the insider perspective, the baby face was an endangered species. And now just look at the landscape. There's Seth Rollins, there's uh, Sami Zayn, uh, Kevin Owens, and there's people popping up left and right in terms of it's not so endangered um, anymore. I I think at the end it, AW, I, I was talking to my students about this the other day. It's just a, a case of, I've never underestimated our audience in a sense that I, that's why I, I use a lot of big words and promos and people will say, oh, he's talking down to them. No, they're not, they're not down like these people, some of them are doctors, some of them are lawyers, some of them are in industrial workers, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean they're not educated. Like the wrestling audience is as educated as any audience. But at AEW, I think trying to do what I was doing there at the end was just a bit too meta. Mm. Hey, the thing we want is you to turn heel. So for me to do that, to turn heel, is by saying verbally, out loud, I'm not going to do it, which is being a heel. Right. But that's not – it didn't work in a sense. And it did because some of the – I had a really fun match with Ethan Page where – crowd was just going nuts and i loved the polarized crowds the split crowds and was that an earthquake
1: uh i believe it was an earthquake georgia a a minor earthquake. wow yeah
2: um i love the the polarized split crowds because i obviously i i'm part of the cena era of of our industry so i loved it but it might have just been over the heads of people but everything was was going in such a unique directions you know multiple shows and and money was through the roof in the industry it was really wonderful the the reason i think that the wwe audience took to it in a completely different way it's a, as as if they dismissed whatever was happening and this is just my hope and belief could be wrong i think it's because they knew what was what you were seeing was real he, there's always that gray matter and that you know suspension of disbelief but i think they knew oh his return is is more than just a, a individual returning this is somebody who's been away for i think 6 or 7 years at the time this is somebody whose song is almost uh a rallying cry against uh wwe almost yeah. and here it is playing out loud i i think maybe at its core most people can understand a lot of what you'll see in the doc is you can be most talented. You can not be talented at all. All these things, but but betting on yourself. Yeah, and I think maybe that's it. Maybe that's what they saw is is, is yeah, he was this guy and helped create a promotion. And yes, they did this. And yes, they he smashed the throne and all this. But also, um, bet on himself and look look where it led us. It led us to a really beautiful segment at a at a beautiful show.
1: I also think that like the the risky moves. Mm-hmm. draw people to you, right? That was one of the first things when that list came out. It yeah, wasn't yeah. just that you did that list. It was yeah. I don't I think people underestimate now how risky it was then mm-hmm. because they look at you yeah. not the way they looked at you. Right. You were a yeah. WWE guy and yeah. that hadn't been done before. I think the riskiest thing you could have done in that situation was not be one of the top guys in your own promotion and go back to WWE and prove like no 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 like I can be a top guy their promotion, sure. in the top promotion. Yeah. Um, a question that I was curious about, because I think people, again, take it for granted because your journey has been so organic, yeah. that when you got to the main event of WrestleMania, it just felt right. Every single person in that sure. building was like, yeah, this is what the main event of WrestleMania this should be. This. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, look, I'm, I'm, I mean, I remember how I looked at Roman yeah. five or six years ago. I look at him totally differently now. I remember how I looked at the Usos five or six years ago. Sammy and KO, Seth Rollins, like, you look at him differently and it's the same for you, but you're still the same human being. Except now you can answer, what does it feel like to main event WrestleMania?
2: I think there's this natural high that you get from doing what we do. You go out, thousands of people, they screaming, cheering, booing, whatever it might be. But then there's a next level euphoria that we can only ever hope to get to. And the only way you can get to it is the most selective moment in what we do is the main event of WrestleMania. I was telling my, my mom, I was like, you know, it's, it's like getting elected president in the business to know you've got the match you've got the match that is going to main event the year of sports entertainment also the year of pro wrestling it's going to put it all together and this year there was a whole other feeling about there was a real excitement i'm not knocking any previous main events but i mean if you were there and so far and even at home you could feel it um it's it's a tough question to answer because As beautiful and amazing and that whole week. I was just very zen and chill and talked even quieter than I'm talking now and just 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 was so geared up and amped up and ready and every community appearance and everything I did I just it was just even even with long hours. It was genuinely just a blessing But it's very bittersweet because it's great to main event WrestleMania, right? Unbelievable. It's again like being elected president and what we do you will you main evented WrestleMania something that no one in my family had ever done however After having done it It's you have to win at WrestleMania you have to win and I think that's why you know I, I didn't come out swinging the next day in terms of whining or moaning um, There's there's a part of the documentary where they They got they got me coming right through the curtain after That's a very uh, heavy feeling I remember feeling like I had been hit like with a hammer right in the chest and just like the color even had left my body by the time I got to the gorilla the go position and I and I don't know if it's sadness or disappointment or shock shock of this really happened because then sitting there in the ring I knew that I knew I was being filmed I knew I was being shot and I I knew how sad I looked, and I was thinking, "You gotta get up." In my mind, I was saying, "You gotta get up." And I was looking out at the crowd, and I saw my own family. And I'm thinking, "Okay, they they can handle this. They've they've seen everything. They can handle this." But looking out and seeing just our fans, just hurt and disappointed at the show they're not supposed to be hurt and disappointed at, was really. I was waiting for like a tomato to hit me in the side of the head. I was just like, "Oh." This is the worst-case scenario. So, as exciting as it is to have my name there as the guy who main-evented WrestleMania, which happened to be the most profitable WrestleMania of all time, coincidentally, <laughs> coincidentally, uh, uh, it's still, I, it's still, I don't know. I would love to, hopefully five years from now, ask me a different question. I'd,
1: you gotta win at WrestleMania. Were you surprised at how disappointed fans really were? Like they did not take that loss as, oh, I guess this is just a chapter in the story and it didn't go the way I thought it was gonna go. I, you know, there were people that said, I gotta stop watching. There were people that said, <laughs> you know, oh, the, you know, whoever was in trouble, if, if <laughs> Triple H was running the show before Vince is back, if Vince was running yeah. for sure, it's gotta be Triple H. Yeah. Maybe this is revenge for smashing the throne. That was a meme. Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, people, but people were legit furious. A part of, part of
2: what we do is how happy they get and sometimes how, how furious they get. I was more surprised with the biggest task that came after. I mean, minutes after it dawned on me to get back here I have, they have to still buy, they have to believe in me. And I just lost in front of them. They have to still believe. And I thought that's a tough, I've done some tough things. Like in the doc, there's so much of it is in there. They hear some things that were said could not be done. And oh, we went and did them. The task though of, can I get them to, to be on board even more after having seen that after having some of them invested flown out traveled brought people i remember seeing a guy in the crowd who had every piece of my merch on every piece and he was just staring at me and it was a grown man hand on his hips and i looked at him i caught eyes and i couldn't break and he literally just went like this (laughs) and i i had just uh, said i just told him i'm sorry but I've I felt that was the part that surprised me the most is every place we go to and and you know Knock on wood that this continues to happen, but every place we go to it. just seems like More excitement. Yeah, and I don't want to buy in anybody like oh, that's what I knew it. No it, it's a tough task, yes. but they feel more excited and a Thing I noticed even last night was fans are bringing signs back a lot more these days yep. signs. Yes, That's like the greatest thing ever and I've had to make a point out of acknowledge try and acknowledge each one of these because that's they made these you know and that that really uh, fills me up and then I mentioned this in the press conference I did after money in the bank um, but I think we're on we're on pace to do something very very special but everything I do even this interview (laughs) everything I do is so fragile it feels like it's just fragile which all great things are they're fragile they're not they're not like the story of cody rhodes is not a lock (laughs) oh this was a lock you know like this guy from radio row that you interviewed as stardust it's this this guy's a this guy's a main eventer of wrestlemania like nothing's a lock right um but um getting uh getting where i'd like to get getting back and that's kind of as far as i word it um I think uh, it's fragile, but uh, I try to make it a lock.
1: You know, you, uh, speaking of Money in the Bank, this is something, again, I've always been curious about. Now I have the opportunity. A year ago, before the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, before you tore your pack, mm-hmm. you did a commercial.
2: Oh, yeah, in Vegas. In a stadium. Ah, uh, yeah. Were you there? For the Money in the <laughs> Bank
1: pay-per-view. And you said into the camera.
2: I read, I read what was.
1: The Money in the Bank winner. Main WrestleMania. Main events WrestleMania. And all of us went, what are you talking about? That's not a thing I've ever, I mean, theoretically, they could.
2: Theoretically, which makes it accurate. But here's what happened.
1: Talking to your microphone, man. Oh, come on, dude. What are you, amateur? I'm
2: an amateur. Uh, What makes it accurate, and I will say this about that shoot. That shoot fell apart uh, because we didn't run. That Allegiant Stadium correct right we didn't eventually go there so it's a piece of history this it was fun I got the tour stood in the middle had a good good time with the the team um, We did double check language and as high up as you can go we double confirmed language So I think the thought process was the theoretical sure. the person who's holding the money in the bank is obviously going to be the Undisputed WWE champion at some point, which is obviously means they would wrest main event WrestleMania. I get that it's not, it's still not. Yeah, I've got to put that. The Royal Rumble is the thing we were describing. Um, but we described money in the bank. We did double check. I said it. I won't blame anybody else. I said it. It's me saying it. It's technically right. Technically. Maybe not even, considering No, because if,
1: if you cash in the same night and then you lose it before WrestleMania, you got to yeah, win the it, Royal Rumble. So,
2: better put, it technically can be right. It could be. It could be. Yeah, hypothetically but you could. Be hypothetically right. could be right. Um, and, you know, that's uh, a piece of uh, history in terms of just, uh, I don't know where you send wrestling videos like that for <laughs> things that don't happen and... Yeah, you know, there's YouTube. A, there's a pile of things yeah. that, that, that. But uh, I enjoyed my time in Vegas. Yeah, I enjoyed this the tour of the stadium.
1: You had to know, and the reason, yeah, if I'm doing my math right, you weren't at the Money in the Bank pay per is because you tore your pec, mm-hmm. and their big reveal at Hell in a Cell. And you talk on the documentary about being embarrassed by it, which yeah. I can understand. You know, you don't want to get an injury like that three months into your big return. Yeah. weight training of all things right it's even worse have you heard like the full
2: how it really went down yeah I feel like I might have said this at some point in in media but maybe didn't here's how it really went down I walked into the gym and this should already indicate where why I shouldn't have been in the gym I walked in the gym in flip-flops uh super high I'd say like Cesaro level high shorts for whatever reason tank top open cup of coffee open cup of coffee like I'm (laughs) 80 years old, uh, and it's just, I'm used to going to the gym every day. It's what you do, you're a wrestler, you go to the gym yep. every day. What I, but I didn't really have a plan that day. There's a, another dude in the gym, mean mugging me, hard. An older cat, and he's doing everything. So busy, he's doing the ninja. The GDP? St- nin- What's not GDP? <laughs> he's doing the ninja style pull-ups. He's dropping down to do burpees. He's running. There's two of us in the weight room, and he's taking up like five different spots. So I thought, in looking at him, I remember thinking, like, I'm gonna blow this guy away. I'm gonna blow this guy away, right? So I put 295 on the bar, uh, and 290. I'm at the time was probably benching like 305, 315, which you warm up to, I'm not a naturally gifted lifter. don't have that type of just random strength like combine where you're busting out 225. So I put 295 on the bar. I did stretch a bit, sip some of this coffee, looked him dead in the eyes. He was looking at me sweating. It was really uncomfortable, really tense. And as soon as I took the bar off, as soon as I took the bar off, that's when I tore my pec. I didn't even get down. My pec <laughs> on the right side completely is, and they say, oh, did you hear a pop? I didn't hear a pop, it felt like Velcro you feel it rip through your body and then it's it's like so imagine the bars here you feel you losing like where you have no strength you feel it so i dropped it and flipped it i never put the deals on the side for this reason because this is going to happen to somebody or you're just gonna have too much weight i flipped it off and it fell that dude came running over to me and was the nicest human being ever are you okay did you did you just tear your shoulder what happened man, do you need anything? After all this staring and sweating and all this like mean mugging that was going on, I remember, I knew too, I was like oh no, oh no. And then you can feel it. Like if you put your hand right there, Uh. there's nothing there anymore. Um, I mean safest way to put it is like a boob. Yeah, it becomes a boob. Yeah, and then they make you plank to see if it falls. It does. And I planked and just fall. Like, why do we need to go get an MRI? <laughs> Pretty sure. Uh, and then I wouldn't got an MRI, and I was just that's why I was embarrassed. I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have been lifting that heavy, uh, which I did lift heavy, and I did stretch, but I wasn't hydrated. No amino's. No plan. Uh, that's before I'd really taken on a trainer full time. It was just stupidity. Just thinking you're still legacy-aged Cody that you can just do this stuff. You can't just do that stuff anymore. So,
1: But you did have to know when you said, okay, you're leaving voice notes going, you got to let me wrestle, you got to let me wrestle, oh, yeah. you got to let me do this match. When you went in there for the match, yeah. right, and you take the jacket off, you mm-hmm. have to know, as somebody that is so entrenched in this business, this is a forever moment. This match, this moment is a forever moment, and this mm. match... Almost regardless of how it comes out, it happens to have come out in a way that I don't think anybody could have predicted how good it was going to be. But you had to know going in, embarrassing as it may be, this singular moment—this is a forever uh,
2: from you hearing it. I so I think like you because we're of I think what are you, you?
1: thirty nine.
2: Right, same age. I'm glad you're a year older than me. Perfect. <laughs> what? So you're same age. So um, I, am of the, I am of a different thought when it comes to wrestling. And, it, and that thought is, if your legs are working, you are wrestling. Yes. I didn't know we were having a forever moment because the modern generation, and this is not a knock on them, I've learned this at my own school, talking to them, listening to them. The younger kids, there's nothing cool about what i did they're the type that i kept seeing uh i remember seeing on twitter the other day that people were taking off of shows because they were sick and that was being advertised like such and such is sick i would cut my hand off if 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 i took a show off because i was sick i'm not it's a it's probably not the correct mindset though like it is probably toxic it is probably alpha all those things you hear whatever it's, but I can't break it, it's the mindset I came up with. My legs are working, I go do this. So when I was out there, my fear was, not that I was gaining any fans, my fear was that the very ardent fans watch this and love it so much and are just deeply entrenched in it are going to be swayed by our, you know, the TikTokers of the world who think this is a very bad example. Mm. I can tell you right now, it's a bad example. I tell my own kids, like the students at the school, never always you can always work hurt, never work injured. I, it's a bit now when I say it because I worked completely severely injured. I just didn't know how else to do it. I didn't. I was not gonna not have the match. I walked into the Allstate that morning, and my body, like my, I was the the poster. So I see the poster in the stands, and I see the poster on the chairs, and the guy sitting in the chair goes, "Is this you?" Go, yeah, he goes, "Oh, that's so cool." I'm like, "Oh man." This sucks. Like this, this was my first opportunity at the main event, so I wasn't. I mean, those voice notes were rough. I've listened to him back a few times because the director Matt Brain had me listen to him back. Um, man, just I didn't know how else to do it. Yeah. So you think, oh, forever moment. You know, wow. you saw Jordan with the flu, right. Shilling with the sock. You saw this, but you
1: know what? To this day, yeah, you can go to the store and buy flu game Jordans, and they're going to be one of the hottest oh. selling shoes, right? Bill McKenna went right to work to make a Cody Rhodes torn peg action I, figure.
2: Like- I I think there's a plenty of people who appreciate it, respect it, and they get it. And and I wanted them to see. I, I do have a really high tolerance for pain. I don't know if that's a cool thing or not. I just I wanted them to see and give them something to remember by and... The whole thing is confusing when I think about it. I was embarrassed that I was injured, but then in that moment, I didn't know it was a forever moment. I felt I can't tell what it is because there's a big divide today. Health and safety is massive. It is paramount. Um, so I I tend to lean towards the Gen Z. Oh, I'm, I got a cough. I can't work. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not going to say no. Right. Because you take care of each other more than perhaps us idiots do, but I would rather still be an idiot.
1: Although this is the attitude that I've heard about uh, in promos in the past, uh, speaking of like the attitudes that older generations took. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised when you stood in a wrestling ring and Arn Anderson informed you that should he need to, he'd take out his Glock? Glock, Anderson. (laughs) Did you know (laughs) that Arn Anderson was going to make himself famous yet again by Um, bringing up the Glock?
2: I didn't know, and one of the best things about it, it, and uh, uh, Tony Khan can tell you his version of this, is the same version, but Tony and I were standing there, and Arne said, hey, you want me to tell you what I'm gonna say? And uh, I told him, no, all good, just remember the thing at the end. Whatever it was, remember the thing at the end. And Lee Johnson, who's a child, who were developing and is going to be a big old star one day, whatever he's in the ring. That to me is the best part about it is he saw it live in person because when Arn uh, mimed or pantomimed that he was going to quote blow my brains out, uh, with his fictional thing. I, uh, I thought that's it that, that, that one's it. That this is not going to be on prime time. That's it. That's and I I thought I thought it so much in the moment. It's a scary moment. I'm standing there. I, I think the colors like leaving my face. I immediately came to the bank, and I was told, please text Sam Linsky. Sam Linsky's a big ally to wrestling. A good guy. I like him. Um, he was in charge of things. He didn't care at all. And I think the reason he didn't care at all, and we can only, if someone else had done it, huge problem. Right. Arn Anderson can do whatever he wants. And that's really the rule with Arn. Arn can do whatever he wants. I miss Arn greatly. I think had I had Arn at WrestleMania, (laughs) things might have been different. Uh, (laughs) He just was a huge positive force for me there. And he's so freaking smart about what, the psychology of a crowd and not enough people go to him, plenty do, but not enough go to him and say, hey, what about this? Because they don't want it changed. You don't have to change it. You should at least hear what he's thinking though. I mean, he's, you've got, you got your, you know, your Spielbergs and Coppolas and your Scorseses and all these people and this, the cinema meme, you know, this, Arne really is one of those. He did this at the highest level, people rioting, over stuff Arn did in the past, and here he is getting famous again, um, just in an inappropriate way. But yeah. I, uh, I, I love, uh, love Arn. Miss him. I would do. Uh, I would move a lot of things and move mountains if the opportunity came up for Arn to show up and uh, come to my aid one more
1: time. Mm. Uh, so mm. you're getting people excited. I think one, maybe the last AEW promo you cut was about the pipe bomb. The exit interview. The exit interview. <laughs> Which I loved because it was like, oh, like there was something. This doesn't correlate to any story. No. This is. I'm going
2: to mention Sammy Zane. uh, Not Sammy Zane. I'm going to mention Sammy Guevara at the end. (laughs)
0: And
1: I'll climb the ladder. That's (laughs) good. So did you know, because this is a promo where you talk about the pipe bomb but talk about how you actually did it, right? Didn't just talk about it. Yeah. Was this just one that you had in the chamber and you went, I'm out of here. I don't think I'm going to get to do this promo, but I love this promo. I think
2: it's easy um, for me now to say, like, oh, I definitely knew, but it, it wasn't the case. Mm. Um, I definitely um, I didn't know. I even the last thing I did at AW, no one really knows. The last thing I did was coach a match and I wasn't the best coach. I more let you do what you wanted to. And then we would talk about it after uh, with uh, Ruby and Nyla Rose. That was the last thing I remember walking out the door, and that not that they they did fine. It wasn't anything to do with them. <laughs> but I remember thinking, yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I'm leaving. Um, but that interview, and I, I remember I had mentioned it to Punk as well. Hey, I'm going to say this because I'm not a fan of blindsiding anybody ever. And where we're terrible at it is social media. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, my opponent just nuked me. Then you nuke him back good all right so no trust and we've gone to the peak level of you know fervor um i i look at it now and i call it the exit interview and i i think maybe selfishly egotistically i wanted to remind them hey i appreciate the company's changed i do please know though there is no company had had these things not have happened. Now other stuff had to happen. Jericho had to do his stuff. Bucks had to do their stuff. Kenny had to do their stuff. Mox had to do his stuff. He's a big part of it too. I don't give him credit enough, but I just wanted them to know. But then the other part of it was sincerely the thing I was talking about earlier. Uh, this is this is being a heel saying you're not going to be a heel. Uh, it just was too meta, and I had fun with it. I did, and the like even when the belt came back in the Target Center, it was perfect because. Dax and those guys knew what to do. We did a whole, like, we leaned into it. I'd always tell uh, QT or Tony, or whatever there, I'm like, I'm leaning in. I'm leaning in. Um, I don't know if anyone knew what that meant, though. I think that's the story of uh, everything at the end. It was... I don't know if there's a plan for this i you know right. this is chaos and chaos you, you know one thing with we did big numbers, we did great like even one of the last uh Saturday specials. we did a killer number. we were just doing great business, but chaos you got to get the reins on it at some point. Where's this going? Where is this going? Arn never arn that's one another thing. he just was for the ride. He didn't care. he was fine, but he was with me till the end on it so uh but the the exit interview i I just i think selfishly selfishly wanted fans to know. I love you guys so much and I did all this and if you have forgotten about it, I don't think that's cool, <laughs> but it's part, it's the nature of it. Me Matt and Nick talk about that all the time. It's like people don't remember and I, my, I'm of the thought when I'm 80 years old and maybe it maybe would be like, no, all he did do all this. He did all that. It's so odd because I was so mad at um, different journalists and stuff for how they, discredited my dad, took took ideas away from him, took things away from him, and then later he passed away, and oh yeah, he did all this and that. As mad as I was, I felt like in that moment, I was like, oh, happening all over again, happening to yeah. me. It's too many egos in wrestling, including my own. To You can't take credit for one, I can't take credit for the revolution, I can't. There were other people. Uh, was I a big part of it, sure
1: and I'll tell you you can also be a big part of taking credit for it and doing the impossible which is you know the reason I feel comfortable asking a lot of these questions in this these questions,
2: the weird thing about these questions is that I, 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 you probably feel uncomfortable because these are the most non-WWE questions ever and you're like a WWE guy
1: bro I watched the documentary and That's you're true. the one who got Nick and Matt Jackson into a WWE documentary they signed off so, on that footage so you know I feel like the Reigns how could they not be in it it, like, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. And that's if,
2: why, yeah. You're I, all... I saw some people when the doc trailer premiered uh, who were thinking like, oh, here comes revisionist history. I'm not going to rev- in 2023. Do you you think that's a good idea? Yeah. Hey, let's let's make up a different narrative. Like you can't know. You got to tell them what happened, how it happened. You know, there's things I still keep close to the chest and protect and all that. But that story of me and those two two guys and how special they were and all that's all that had to be in there that's big and ben hauser and matt brain and Matt brain is not getting enough credit but ben hauser matt brain when i said hey if there's one thing that has to stay it was the bte footage has to i wanted it in the trailers i wanted it everywhere just because that this really happened it was a great fun time
1: matt cardona said that you accused him of being a pecker checker
2: <laughs> what is what a pivot
1: <laughs> he said that's pivot. not true he said, this is a classic Cody story. He yeah. said, they're a Cody stories. Cody lie. And these are Cody lies and they're not true, but you've spread a rumor mm-hmm. that he's a pecker checker yes. and he sat in the not Sam studio and to my face, what a tan he had that day. I mean, he yeah. was in pain, but he yeah. looked great. Yeah. And he said he was not a pecker checker. Sure. Is he?
2: So uh, let me address the Cody lie because there's a thing called a dusty finish. Uh, A dusty finish is a thing that is a common vernacular in wrestling, and it describes a certain type of finish to a match. I know for a fact my dad always hated the terminology, hated it, and now it's a regular thing. People, oh, we'll do a dusty finish here and there. It became a thing. Cody lie is slowly becoming a thing, and I want to kind of stop it before it gets too far. I never lie about anything that's serious. Now, will I print the legend every now and then to something that is not serious? a serious, uh, you know, dire situation. And also he thinks I tell him things so that he stooges them off. He's <laughs> yeah, he he's been very he does, he does. <laughs> he's been very warped by this. And I, I don't want to beat around the bush on the question the direct question you asked, but there is no such thing as a Cody lie. And there's a lot of wrestlers, if you bring this up, will be like, oh that's a that's a, a Cody, Cody lie. lie. Uh, and if there if there are, they're fun. They're not nothing They're not serious. Um, As far as the lie in question, whether he was a pecker checker, which is he's just looking at the guys in the showers, right? Uh, (laughs) That's right.
0: Traditionally. I I
2: believe what we were told on Raw was that him, he had a partner. I'm not going to say his name because I actually like that guy now. Used to not like him at all, but like his partner a lot now. You can read between the lines. Yeah. Him and his partner were thrown out of the locker room because they were they were peeping in the in the showers with with the other guys, and I uh, I I did I tell some people that very likely yeah uh, did I spread well,
1: you, it? you so. don't lie about serious things but if there's a pecker checker on the loose in the locker <laughs> that seems room, that's pretty that, serious. that seems like a serious matter serious. but I was
2: told they were thrown out of the locker room because of it he today disputes it he also disputes another huge story uh, which I'm not I'm try, I'm gonna end it and I'm going to do the best thing I can for uh, Matt Cardona because I really like Matt Cardona. The story about the meeting, his meeting with Tony Khan and the pecker-checker uh, accusations, I will say that they are Cody lies. <gasps> I will. I will say they are Cody lies. But if you can see me right now, if you're looking at me, know... Come on. no, know, know that know that there's very likely a some truth, if not all the truth uh, in this in these these Cody lies. But I support Matt in this and uh, no, I, I have no evidence that he is a pecker checker and uh, the meeting gone wrong. Uh, we can just maybe it didn't happen or it I definitely did.
1: I'm going to read between the lines because you said, okay, fine. Matt Cardona being a pecker checker is a Cody lie. But 30 seconds ago, you said there's no such thing as a Cody lie. So I, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and believe my own truth. Last question. Is it's there a, that a question. anything in life, professionally speaking, mm-hmm. that is more uh, self affirming than Vince McMahon flying to your house <laughs> because he finds out you're working without a contract? Sure, sure. And not only saying, we want you back. Mm saying we want you back in the highest spot possible. And this is something that's never been done, I don't think, on the level that you did it. We want the brand that you built Mm -hmm. back in the highest spot possible.
2: Is Kevin the one that say he flew to my house? Kevin's the one. Kevin Owens in the trailer
1: says he flew, yeah. But Bruce like, Pritchard also in the feel like center. that's
2: a that's a line that's probably going to stir up a lot of feelings in people. Um,
1: <laughs> Kevin almost said it through gritted teeth. Not a lot of people get that um, treatment.
2: <laughs> professionally, especially after the last conversation we had at a school in Rahway, New Jersey, before a Wrestle Pro show, talking about leaving WWE professionally, there can be no other just reward. And self, self-affirming, sure, but just assurance that this big gamble, which was a far bigger gamble than people realize because they see it now, this big gamble was worth it, and that I have good instincts, and a good mind, and the education I got at WWE, and the education I got outside of WWE, all applied together, created something that they would want to make theirs. And to Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard and Triple H and Stephanie, for all of them to, whether they dislike me and they sit around a table somewhere and make jokes about what they, whether they have feelings towards what I did that I don't know about, they went all hands on deck and, and making it even bigger. Like, we can make this even bigger, what you've done. And that is the most beautiful thing i'm like i get emotional thinking about it because i you just didn't know when we last talked how could i have known that uh i'm gonna do a bunch of stuff and it's gonna probably anger a lot of people but but it comes from a place of wanting to better the brand that i am myself and the brand that i'm currently in you know where i was everywhere so that was literally every show and every per opponent i had and um Gosh, there is nothing more self affirming. It's a really good way to put it. And but the there's a side of me that's that's amazing. But the real thing is, okay, well, what do we do next? Yeah. That's the real like, what do we do next? In five years will they how excited will they still be about, you know, what do we do next? And that's the responsibility I have. And Nick Kahn, I should mention him as well. He's really big on the responsibility that I have. I never really had it before and now I have that responsibility and I just want to live up to it.
1: See we went WWE heavy at the very end there. That's how yeah, we Yeah, Right we before we move you asked most boom.
2: probably the, the most poignant like beautiful question you asked is he a pecker checker?
1: We got to take people so on what, a journey. What, what Cali, happens this is, is the story. So what happens is
2: is these luminary figures we all just mentioned they end up watching these interviews. We never think they do. Yeah. And then they'll end up saying like oh I saw your interview where you said something that you're please I hope you didn't see that. Like did you see please So now that beautiful question is in the same interview where you asked, was Matt Cardona a pecker checker?
1: (laughs) People need the information. People need to have it. I so appreciate you sitting down again with me, Cody, and and getting to talk to you throughout these chapters is a huge privilege for me. It's really, I mean, it's it's remarkable. As a wrestling fan, to watch this story play out in real time is one of the most amazing things to see. So, I mean, congrats and, and... Let's keep it moving, man. Yeah,
2: thank you so much. You you the man. Thank you very, very much. Thank you.